Hunter. Jesse. Let's 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 take a a trip back. Let's get in our time machine. Let's rewind the clocks to 2007. I thought you were about to say uh, 1860 or whenever this movie takes place. I feel like I should know when this movie takes place. Uh, 2007, 2007 is more accessible to me because I yes. was um, alive. Maybe I could stop myself from doing stuff. Oh wait, sorry. We're doing this about a movie. My bad. Yeah. This is not the butterfly effect. Um, we're, we're not talking about the butterfly effect. That movie. Um, that movie sucks. But either way, the movie is bad. It's not great. Mm-mm. Um, we're not going to be talking about that movie though. Welcome to Revisionist Cinema, a Hello. podcast series hosted by myself, Jesse Nussman, and me, Hunter Heilman. Uh, on this series, each week we pick a movie that we just feel has been unfairly overlooked whether sometimes it was a you know not 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 too loved by the critics sometimes it was a massive bomb at the box office sometimes both this week uh a movie that was definitely a huge huge bomb i feel like i know a few people who are fans of it but i feel like it hasn't fully come like i feel like there's a lot of people who are just sort of aware of this movie's existence but haven't seen it um it is let, let me let me clear my throat for a minute. <coughs> uh The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Boots. Boots? I really I really need to know. Oh no, it's sorry. Oh gay, gay slang. Um Oh, okay. I I need to know like who titled this film cuz I I, I I love it. I love that it's just a full fucking novel in itself. Also, I love that it's an actual spoiler alert. Yeah. Like, you go into it, and there's no... There's no, like, room for doubt that Jesse James is about to be assassinated by the coward Robert Ford. I mean, Robert Ford is just as much an an instrumental part of this. This is just as much Robert Ford's story, arguably even more Robert Ford's story than it is Jesse James' story. Oh, I would absolutely agree. I think it's just solely because Brad Pitt is Jesse James, which is a the more like recognizable name. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone they at least knows who Jesse James is. Maybe not the specific specifics uh and then obviously brad pitt produced the film too and you know casey affleck at the time was just the fledgling affleck i would argue that he still is um but um you know we don't i don't stand casey affleck around here however this was young casey affleck so uh yes i can definitely understand why maybe not this or why he didn't uh get top billing and why he was relegated to the best supporting categories of everything but yeah i would definitely argue that this is way more casey affleck's movie than it is brad pitt's at least in terms of objective content 
yeah, so this is a movie I had seen once before. You had never seen before. I'd never seen it. This was my first time. I what, I what were known you about thinking it. For... Going, what, what were you just sort of thinking going into it? What was your sort of perception of this going into it? I thought, I was like, okay, so this is going to be like a really, like, it looked like a quiet, introspective Western that I didn't focus on action and was much more like i guess dialogue based and much Brooding more story and character in the, in the wild west yeah exactly and um i can't say that i didn't get that pretty no, much you, you directly got that it's yeah it's like <laughs> i think i genuinely think like this is truth and advertising to its core a i think the long title go already just kind of tells you like oh this movie's different like oh. mm-hmm. uh and then the poster and the you know if you do watch the trailer it's very obvious this film was never trying to market itself as like good bad and the ugly or like true grit or something like that like it's very much so like this is an art film that just happened to have like funding from warner brothers that just happened to have brad pitt's name in it that could get the big funding it's yes. very much so an art house film kind of at its core, but I think it's one that was a little bit out of its time. I think nowadays had this film been made kind of in the post, like, I guess, Revenant era, I think this movie would have like really taken off in terms of just how respected it is compared to other movies of its type that have been released kind of rec- more recently. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, I should quickly give like a little story of the first time I saw this. I was kind of like aware of this movie's existence. Um, in a minute, I wanted to, us to talk briefly about the year two thousand seven, which may or may not be the best movie year of the century, according to some people. Um, so I I remember this movie kind of just sort of in the ether. I do too. Uh, when I would, when I was a kid, um, you know, it did get two Oscar nominations. Can you quickly get? You probably can guess off the top of your head. You probably looked them up, but do you know what the two Oscar nominations this movie got was? It was. I know Casey Affleck. Yep, um, Casey Affleck for supporting actor. And then was the other Deacons? Deacons. Yeah. His, his Deacons, second Deacons, nomination Deacons. that year. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I mean deacons man goddamn deacons <laughs> oh my god that f- i i knew i so a, i didn't know deacons had shot this at first and i remember mm-hmm. like watching like starting watching this and like that train sequence happened oh when god. the train was coming through the trees and i was like god damn this movie's pretty who shot this and then i looked it up and it was like roger deacons i'm like oh oh of course never mind like I get this yeah. now, and then I then I kept reading, and it's like, oh wait, this is that was like Roger Deakins' like favorite shot he's ever shot before. Like, oh yeah, I I cannot wait to talk about Deakins in in a bit because th- this is my personal like, I you know that meme that's just sort of the the like tired and wired like tired yeah. is listening to people talk about uh Blade Runner twenty forty nine and nineteen seventeen is just like deacons at his peak no that this this is wired this is deacons at his peak i think is this movie his, um, uh, his roger peakins 
if you if you may. Oh, hold hold on to that. Yeah. Okay. Rot rot rot. Can can you say that again? <laughs> Roger Peekins is Roger. I hate this. <laughs> oh. Uh, we like to have fun on this show. So, oh, yeah, let's, I'm, let's. Who's having fun? <laughs> so it's we. Not had, me. <laughs> so. I was kind of aware of this movie, had never seen it though. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was sort of just sort of like spatially aware of it. Yeah. Um, because it was a massive, massive bomb at the time. Uh I, that makes sense. Pretty much came or came and went in theaters. Um, and so I only kind of knew about it from just sort of like this Oscar year was one of the first Oscar years I really paid attention to. And I didn't see it until I was in college. It was like one of those weird nights where I like probably had a nightmare or something and just like woke up at like one thirty in the morning and on like a weeknight and was just like, I can't get back to bed. So, you know, do, do what I always do. Just turn on the TV and be like, Oh, maybe I'll watch like five minutes of like die hard or something if it's on. Mm-hmm. And this movie was on and I was like, Oh, I've never seen this before. And it kind of looked like it was the beginning. And it it got to that train sequence, which is like near the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, um, most definitely. And was just after that train sequence, I was just like, I'm hooked. I'm like staying up like another three hours to watch this on yeah. TV. This and movie's long, but it doesn't. It truly doesn't feel like it. It's it's no, it's, a, it's a good it's a good it's a well paced movie despite being as kind of slow and brooding as it is. Yeah, and I think there's something, it's interesting saying like brooding, because that's not even, it is a brooding movie, but magical is always the way I think of it. There's something very- It's kind of dreamlike. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about kind of like the behind the scenes of how this came to be, but I mean, the movie I thought about the most just rewatching it this time is Days of Heaven, the Terrence Malick movie, and it does have that sort of like Malickian- just sort of dreamlike yeah. twinkle to it of it uh-huh. it almost feels like this sort of like what did you call casey affleck what <laughs> sorry twinkle you know it kind of feels like this just like story that's just sort of as old as america itself and is just sort of like passed on and you just sort of like hear whispers about it and just sort of like taverns and little stops on trails and stuff and, and it's kind of like in, it's kind of one of those like it's one of these stories that I feel like once in a once in a generation it kind of gets a serious retelling. Yes. And this and was even though not many people saw it, this was no. The, you know, the mid 2000s iteration of it. And I mean, this was kind of before like westerns kind of made a little bit of their comeback before like True Grit came along and like, you know, the remake and all that. So, it it definitely like came along at a very complicated time for Westerns in general, but especially this specific kind of Western. Um, And I mean, that kind of comes down to, we'll get to it later, but you know, the films of Andrew Dominic definitely are not, are not ones that are crowd pleasers in the traditional sense. No. So I, I think interesting one of, I mean, this is not a very audience friendly movie i was i mean it's it is not the kind of like mass kind of pop art piece of of filmmaking that you know i think could get it you know even you can tell it just in how long that title name is yeah um but i think the other reason this movie kind of got buried a bit is i mean like 
what what an incredible year it came out in mm-hmm. um let's talk about 2007 as a movie theater D- yay or nay in that you know the the kind of i feel like people kind of look back at 2007 as the best certainly the best movie year of the 2000s uh-huh. but may, some may be saying like the best movie year of this century would you agree with that what what would be your sort of like top five of movies for that year oh god um i mean that's tough because like i would say i mean there will be blood is up there i would say probably my favorite movie of 2007 and this is just a very hunter pick i i love sweeney todd Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to say Lust Caution, actually. Well, uh, Lust Caution also, but Sweeney Todd's one of those mm-hmm. all-timer movies that I feel like has just kind of always been there for me. It's just kind of one of those, like, movies that just feels like a warm hug, and it might be from all of the fake blood, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's definitely one that stuck with me. I love the music from it. Uh, I don't know, how's how's the world feeling on Johnny Depp again? Um, either way, he's great mm-hmm. in it. Um Hell this is kind of that is kind of the last major Johnny Depp movie. The what? last and, and kind of the last like, major Tim Burton movie too. Yeah, that was like super respected. And I mean, yes. you go back and look at it. I mean, this it's beautiful. I mean, to me, like there is no better like I think music to studio logo pairing than the beginning of Sweeney Todd with the DreamWorks logo and like mm-hmm. the second it comes up to that D that huge like organ coming in and like just really letting you know like what type of movie you're getting into and like I, you know i fuck with musicals but i also you know i fuck with horror so it's like everything coming together on top of a period anguish film oh mm-hmm. you just can't get better than that but um also like atonement i love atonement i love uh, um, my girlfriend yes yeah um i also <laughs> like really love i mean no country for old men is obviously like yeah you know it's no country for old men but um yeah and i i i don't know anything else off the top of my head i guess i'll just go Uh, through i'm trying to think of the movies a a few of the big oscar movies that year was that i mean the five the five oscar movies that year this is just like an an incredible lineup i mean no country won. your other four nominees were juno there will be blood michael clayton and uh atonement juno made top five yeah okay listen i like juno Top, I haven't seen it in a long time. It, top it, it, five of two thousand seven, I guess. Like, I guess it like did take the world by storm, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would fully say that. Michael Clayton's great. I forgot about Michael. Michael Clayton. Clayton's great. Yeah. Um. Um. I mean, I I can I see the Juno thing because like I I I've it's been so long since I've seen it, but that is what from what I like that movie was a phenomenon. That was like yeah. the highest grossing of Wait, all of those movies. This was was this the year that every single actor who won was not American? I think this was that um, year because it might have it, was been. this the year that Marion Cote was this Livion Rose? Was this the year that she I won? Believe so. Uh, hold on. Yes, it is. Oh, I love Le'Veon Rose, too. That movie mm-hmm. also is, it's so tragic, but Marion Cotillard is so good in it. Okay, I'm looking at, I'm looking at all of the uh, Oscar movies now, and 
American Gangster, like that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, it's, I just love solid. I just I, I love Ruby D and American Gangster though. I miss her. She mm. is good. She is good. That that movie I think is like B minus. But once um, I forgot about once that was two thousand seven technically, yeah. or at least from U.S. release. I mean, 2007, I think, is remembered as such a, like, special movie year because you have so many people who I think are are arguably working at their peak. Like, Paul Thomas Anderson makes There Will Be Blood. David Fincher makes Zodiac, which, you know, is now, like, heavily lauded, but, may, like, hardly anyone saw it at the time. But I, people are... That's my personal favorite Fincher movie. I know you're a dragon tattoo stand. Oh, Cone Eastern Brothers Promises make... was that yeah. year? Cronenberg makes Eastern Promises. The Cone Brothers make No Country for Old Men. Bong Joon-ho makes The Host. Basic, Clay... basic choice. Um, This was me because I was just a little, I was a 10-year-old homosexual. Um, Hairspray changed my life. Oh, Hairspray, yes. Hairspray's um, great. Like I said, my uh, you know, uh, you have Michael Clayton, which is just maybe apex tony gilroy unless you're like really that into rogue one um ratatouille which is my personal favorite pixar movie todd haynes does i'm not there which you know i maybe don't love but is really interesting danny boyle does sunshine yeah Ooh, Um, i forgot about sunshine too ang lee does lust caution you know you know how i feel about that movie I know you love that movie. I mean, Sidney Lumet makes his final movie that year. You have was that was that uh, before, before the, the devil, devil knows, knows you're dead. dead. Yeah, yeah. I remember that movie solely for its opening scene. Oh yeah, that's that'll sure, certainly get an image of Philip Seymour Hoffman very specifically in your head. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I mean, like you have a Tarantino movie this year in Death Proof, which I mean, I, I love Death Proof. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, I think it's my least favorite Tarantino movie, but like Grindhouse is so much fun. It's so much like, fun. I have nothing oh, bad to say I, about it. The, ooh, the Blu ray I have, I need to get the Death Proof Blu ray because I do really like the extended cut of Death Proof because I think it has mm. some of the best uh, dialogue, just like straight up, yeah. like just literally that scene of them that unfortunately is really cut short in the Grindhouse cut of the camera just rotating around the table as they literally mm-hmm. just have like petty conversations about like what their life is like on this movie set. It's really, it, that's one of my favorite scenes because I think one thing I love about death proof is how uh, Zoe Bell and Rosario Dawson and Tracy Toms and Mary Elizabeth Winstead just have like just the best chemistry. Like I want to watch them in like every movie. Yeah. And I mean, like, you also have like i think fondly thought of kind of mid but you know you have a pretty big comedy year in super bad and knocked up the same year you know you have mid-budget crime movies like we own the night before the devil knows you're dead and gone baby gone you know you have i mean even the franchise movies from this year like they're (laughs) this is a year before the the superhero boom like really clicks in hollywood with iron kind of like the last super pure year yeah so i mean you have sequels and franchises but they're for stuff like you got an oceans movie a born movie a harry potter movie a simpsons movie oh i forgot about the simpsons movie that was fun yeah oh that harry potter uh, movie that year (laughs) sucked though oh i I haven't revisited any of those i don't like that five and six five and six are my least 
favorites. So it's um, not like it's a, a year of like a perfect year. I mean, no movie year is a perfect year, but th- this, I think there's so many filmmake, big filmmakers working at their peak this mm, year. That's um, fair. And I don't know. Uh, Jesse James would probably be in my top five. I guess I should give it now. Um, if only because I cheated and I have my letterbox list pull up. Mm. Uh, I probably mm-hmm. have There Will Be Blood as my number one, Zodiac as my number two, No Country at three, Jesse James at four, and number five, The Host, which technically came out the year before but didn't get released in the United States until 2007. 2007, yeah. Uh, I, it's a really fun movie. Yeah, I would say, I mean, Sweeney Todd's up there. Sweeney Todd's my number one, like, just kind of period. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I would say There Will Be Blood, definitely. I would definitely say... I would say Le'Veon Rose. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I really wish they had a good uh, Blu-ray of it. I would say Less Caution. And then... Hmm, I think after that, maybe... Maybe either, like, Atonement or, like, Eastern Promises. Those are fun. Eastern Promises is great. <laughs> yeah. Um. Those are Those are all great. I mean, that's not an order other than Sweeney Todd, but um yeah definitely a a great year so i think it was kind of an easy year for like something like jesse james to kind of get a little lost in the shuffle because i mean that there are some pretty titanic westerns this year i mean no country for old men even though it's set in the 80s that's like a a neo-western yeah yeah i think there's a western aspect that there will be blood certainly and i mean like slightly uh, this isn't a movie i love but i think was a pretty solid hit was the remake of 310 to Yuma with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. That Crow was 2007. It. Yes, it was. That I um, think that's actually a pretty solid movie. It's not like it's not James Mangold's best by any means, but like it's, no, but it's, I it's, think it's it's, it's a solid popcorn flick. Yeah. Um. And you know, I. So maybe this is a chance to transition to also talking about westerns. How do you feel about just the west in general? I think uh, I think we're kind of in an interesting spot with westerns, like. You know, uh, Western movies don't get made, obviously, as much as they used to in kind of the the 30s, 40s, and 50s. But um, I don't know. Uh, what are you, kind of your favorite kind of Westerns of the millennia? Or kind of your post-Unforgiven Westerns, I feel like. Ooh. I feel like Unforgiven is kind of when, yeah. it, you know, it makes sort of the shift into, um, I don't know. I, I think of that as kind of a turning point for the genre. Cause I think for so many people, when Clint Eastwood made that movie, it was just sort of like, Oh, yep. Cut printed. Like he, that's, that's yeah. the final thing anyone needs to say on the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, Ooh, um, I really like, a kind of, I guess like a little sidebar one, well, not sidebar, but like left field one. Um, have you ever seen Bone Tomahawk? I have not. Bone is, Tomahawk is... fucks hard. Because oh, Bone does Tom- it? Okay, okay. Because Bone Tomahawk is Western horror. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a group of men like rescuing a man uh from like a group of like cannibal cave dwellers. Mm. And it it's Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, uh david arquette richard jenkins like it's like it's crazy it's the same guy who directed um 
Brawl in Cell Block 99 and Dragged, Cro- Dragged Across Concrete oh, as okay. Frank Zoller. So it's that kind of movie. But there's one scene in it. One specific act of violence in it. I remember I saw it at the Charlotte Film Festival in 2015. I remember the whole theater. We all went in thinking it was just going to be like, just like a slightly dark, like, mm-hmm. Western film. And it was like, no. There's one act of violence near the end of that movie where you're just like, Ugh oh my god like genuinely one of the most not even like it's not close up or anything but it just it just rips you to shreds literally um another one i really like um i guess but if we're considering no country for old men western i'm considering hell or high water a western oh Um, totally yeah and with that and with that i'm going to include um wind river as well Wind River, I think, oh, is... Oh, I, I would a thousand percent agree, is, too. Um, I think Wind River is my favorite Tyler Sheridan film. Or, like, in terms of his his screenplays. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say... Um, Hateful Eight's good. That's a fun lesson. Yeah, how do you... I, I When I rewatched all the Tarantino movies last year, I, I think... I like Hateful Eight. I, I really came around to hate, like when i first saw them in theaters django i probably oh that's right Django's then... technically a western too Django's Django is not my favorite tarantino movie if i'm gonna be completely honest with you though uh i would agree uh because i i was about to say like i when i walked out of Django, i loved it and when i walked out of hateful eight i i i enjoyed myself but was definitely like not as high on it as i i thought it was like maybe his weakest movie when i walked out of it and then revisiting them both last summer i was a little like eh, Django seems a little like kind of slop sloppy and kind of like he wrote this sort of just like giant meandering thing and couldn't ever kind of like fully get a fully get a hold on it and it like drags in a couple places mm-hmm. and hateful eight i was just like man this this thing is it's not prime, not only it's just like a really prime, like fun, dialogue. gnarly yeah a really yeah. fun gnarly like agatha christie movie but um i think also has a lot to say about yeah. this uh divisive moment we're in as a country but that's a it, different podcast yeah um and then one one that i think like is great for i would say the first two thirds and then i think it kind of loses itself in the third act but i do think because it is so different and kind of dark in the first two thirds uh the homesman that's one i enjoyed also it does take a very different turn near the end um yes it does and i was i wasn't crazy about that um oh yeah they did that magnificent seven remake too Oh. Yeah. And I mean oh. I really like the the Cone Brothers True Grit think, remake. Oh, I love True much, Grit. Much much more than the the 60s one. The, same. I watched the 60s one was on TCM a while back and I was like, mm, this is good, but like it's it's, not... it's solid. Yeah, yeah, it's solid and the um, Cone Brothers remake is is great. Some that I um, haven't seen and maybe you have. I haven't seen Hostiles, but I've heard that's good. Have you seen that? Um Scott Cooper uh Christian Bale, Rossman Pike. Oh, I have. Uh, yeah. My review Timothy of it Chalamet. is I fell asleep towards the end of it. Fair. And then um, I've never at seen Appaloosa, but I've heard that Renee Zellweger is in it, and I love her. Um, uh, oh, not Meek's, seen that one. Meek's cut off. That's a good one. I like. I like. Yes, Reichardt. Definitely. Um, would we Would we consider Rango a western, or is it animated? Yes. First? That's. I I will great. consider it a western. Rango's great um i'm just scrolling through it on on 
Google right now. Should I rewatch Rango? Because I remember it. Being, I haven't seen I, it. I, in I just a did not know what to think about it when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> when it first came out, and yeah. I've heard so many people. I've heard a couple people like you come to the defense of it as like I like it's Rango. a masterpiece. It's fun. Like it's w- weird. Maybe it was just too weird and specific for me when it first came yeah. out. But... Um, Brokeback Mountain technically is a western. That's a movie that I just I just can't watch. It's just too much for me. Too it, much. It's just one of those movies like I've watched once and I can say that I've watched it as a homosexual now, but I'm I'm good. I don't need to watch it again. You, you know, I think I've only seen it once too, but um It's all I, you need to. It's enough. It's real I, I think it's, it's pretty great, yeah. Um also a decent one that I feel like got really buried because of its um ties to the Weinsteins as well as Relativity Media, like two of the worst companies you could have been working with at the time. Um Jane got a gun. That's actually a pretty solid movie too. Oh, was say. that ever released? Yes, it was. It came out okay. in like six hundred theaters. Um, Relativity Media was going to release it, and then they went under, and then the Weinstein Company released it, and we all saw how that ended. So, like that movie was just kind of cursed from the start. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Lynn Ramsey was supposed to direct that, but she backed out. I remember that. Yeah. No, but yeah, I, I would never say those are the ones I've left. seen. I would say my top ones though are. I love True Grit, I love Bone Tomahawk, I love Wind River, and, um, and, uh, Hell or High Water. Those are all great. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, Hateful Eight would be on a short list for me. Um, I really like True Grit, um, No Country for Old Men, obviously. This, Assassination of Jesse James and No Country for Old Men would be very much near the top of if you're looking for kind of a new school Western. Yeah. Um, so maybe let's dive into Jesse James a little bit. Just wanted to have a quick conversation about both the great year that was 2007 and about what, what we think of Westerns now. Um, so I think the other kind of reason this movie, I don't think has been maybe rediscovered as much, I think is Andrew Dominic, which I, I mentioned earlier, you know, Zodiac as a movie that came out in 2007, I think got good reviews, but no one went and saw it. The Oscars pretty much kind of ignored it. But I think because it's David Fincher and Fincher like makes a movie every few years and Fincher obviously has this body of work that precedes Zodiac that is, you know, fairly pop and fairly notable it can take on more of like a life after its initial theatrical right whereas andrew dominic had you know one movie prior to assassination of jesse james he had and it was what an australian movie yeah it stars eric banna i've never seen it personally yeah um you know and then he did one movie after assassination of jesse james he did a um or I'm sorry, no, Andrew Dominic is from New Zealand. Yeah, but I think was Chopper was released in Australia. I think I think Chopper was an Australian movie though. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure I was correct there. Yeah. Um and then he did one other movie after Assassination of Jesse James that also starred Brad Pitt called Killing Them Softly. Uh have you ever seen this one? Um, I have. In it yeah. is what, what do you int- think of it? I think it's solid. I also fully understand why it got an F cinema score from audiences. 
Yes. It's like it's one of the it's one of those movies where I'm like I appreciate a lot that's going on here. I don't love it. I'm not like head over heels for it, but same. I I I appreciate a lot that happens in it. I really like Brad Pitt in it. Um but I mean way too like to me it just kind of shows like I think Andrew Dominic is definitely like kind of a filmmaker who plays he doesn't play to an audience. He kind of plays to himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think, I just think that audiences or not audiences, studios need to embrace that a little bit more rather mm-hmm. than trying to kind of pass his films off as something that is, that are like a little bit more palatable. Cause I will say the trailers to killing them softly and I mean, again, I'm just going to throw the Weinstein company under the bus because fuck the Weinsteins. Um, I mean, they made it out to be a completely different film than it actually was. And I mean, it looks like much more of a shoot 'em up action exactly. movie. Exactly. Than- and then you see it and it's like, it's literally, it's very similar to, it's very similar to the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Um, it's a very moody crime drama with like a lot of disgusting characters that's also an allegory for the 2008 financial collapse yeah i mean no it's it's not a very likable movie by any means and like it is and if it had been marketed like that because i feel like with assassination of jesse james sure it flopped but i think it flopped for a lot of reasons but i don't think warner brothers was ever dishonest in its marketing no definitely not i think the weinsteins straight up lied with that trailer for killing them softly like it's like oh definitely so i think that's something to take into account and i think that kind of hurt the film a little bit which like oh the weinsteins like fucking up someone's movie that's rich that's new but you know it's it's something i can kind of understand i can understand why it has both the reputation it has but also not truly being like remembered as such because i don't think it's i don't think it's like an amazing movie um i am very excited about his new movie though oh the, the marilyn monroe the movie Anna blonde D- starring your your girl Ana de armas who's pregnant with an affleck spawn so congratulations casey for being a for being a, an uncle you stay away from her is that confirmed i don't know she might be pregnant oh. Um, but Ana de Armas updates on Twitter said it, so it has to be true. Okay. Well, for but I'm reasons very... to not get sued, we are assuming based off of a fan account. That yeah. That if that true, Ana de Armas it makes me has, just that de Armas has more... blocked. Yes. Um, but, if, oh, if so, them. it makes me ten times more excited for the the Adrian Line movie, which is yeah. just like that's. That's gonna be like Tom and Nicole and Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. All, Day, all over okay, Ana de Armas low key is becoming kind of like a Netflix darling because she's got Blonde. She's got uh, isn't the isn't the Adrian Line movie a Netflix one? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't one, think so. No. Okay. Um. Oh wait, I think it might be. Well, it's Fox. Yeah, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um. But like she was also in um, Wasps, Wasps Network and Sergio this year, so like she's doing. I mean, not big, big movies, but 
I just love her. She's so likable, and then she's got no time to die coming out. And, ugh. Yeah. yeah, she's one of my. She's genuinely one of my favorite actresses working today. Y'all know that. Y'all know I stand her so hard. But um, I'm very interested to see her as Marilyn Monroe because I'm very interested to see how she takes on the Marilyn Monroe voice. Because from all the set photos, she's got the look down pat. She looks just mm. like Marilyn Monroe. But like, you know, Ana de Armas has a very heavy cuban accent which is beautiful she has a beautiful like speaking voice but like can she do marilyn i can't even do marilyn monroe so like you know but i'm very interested to see andrew dominic take on marilyn monroe that just feels it's re-watching this i've i've am now like 10 times more excited for that movie i mean i was already like intrigued for it just yeah. because i think he's He's clearly from this movie and Killing Him Softly. He's someone who has a lot of style, but I think just because those two Muted. movies are flops, he he is you know not been given as many opportunities. Although the one other credit that um, I forgot that we kind of passed over, he did do at least one episode. I can't remember he if he two. did more. Uh, he did two episodes of uh, Mindhunter. The yeah, haven't watched that, David but Fincher. I've heard it's good. Oh, it's. But- r.i.p because i don't know if it's coming back but yeah. it is it is a treasure yeah um and i well one thing i will say that um i think will help blonde as well is that blonde is not like just basic biopic it's based off of a no. carol Oates novel that is like a heavily fictionalized version what a pulitzer but, right i think it? so yeah and like yeah she goes by norma jean which is obviously her birth name and like it everyone's kind of uh referred to very uh vaguely you know like mm-hmm. all of her husbands like the playwright the ex-athlete like they never really go into like you know that's joe dimaggio that's arthur miller like it's very much so like about her solely so i'm i'm interested to see the creative liberties that he's gets to take with something like this um, I'm mm-hmm. excited, A, because Plan B is producing it, um, because, like, you know, Plan B is kind of, like, on top of the world. But also, um, I'm really excited because I feel like Netflix gives gives filmmakers like Andrew Dominic a, an outlet to really, like, be themselves, mm-hmm. rather than, like, just being, like, palatable for cinemas i guess like i don't think that any studio would have ever given charlie kaufman the ability to make something like i'm thinking of ending things but netflix can't so i'm hoping Mm -hmm. that same idea transfers over to blonde and i hope he comes through with that yeah i'm i'm really excited to see it now just because i think one of the things that i think is so fascinating about assassination of jesse james is uh, the movie as kind of a text about celebrity and the idea yeah. of him now taking on a movie kind of about one of the ultimate celebrities, I think is, like is very, celebrity. very interesting. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't, to kind of bring it back to Jesse James, I mean, that to me is sort of the most powerful and interesting aspect. I mean, Jesse James, this kind of like infamous outlaw figure in American history that has been sort of mythologized in all these different tall tales and movies and books and the idea of even casting him as someone as kind of like 
charismatic and sort of good looking and um, just sort of captivating on screen is yeah. Brad Pitt, but making the story is not necessarily about Jesse James, but is about sort of another member of the James gang who idealizes Je- sort of Jesse James as this mythological celebrity figure. And as he gets closer and closer to him by being in this gang, sort of the, those sort of, that sort of myth begins to kind of fall apart and you get this much more kind of i don't know kind of kind of slightly disappointing figure who's maybe like slightly stupid and is like very very well, it's like quiet. a larger a larger than life figure being scaled back down to life. right it's literally like and, someone who is like inhumanly like legendary being a, a human and yeah all of the flaws and kind of shittiness that comes with that. Yeah. And then I think the, the kind of, to me, the most interesting turn of the movie is, you know, the, the idea that Robert Ford kind of gets in his mind. If I shoot Jesse James, then I become this mythical celebrity figure. I am the guy who killed the like most famous outlaw in the West. And it doesn't work out that way in some ways. Like, him killing Jesse James who like the the sort of cruel joke of the movie is like who the fuck's Robert Ford like yeah. no one remembers Robert Ford but by killing Jesse James he has further mythologized this person and the idea of like people are coming from miles around to look at Jesse James dead body just sitting there on a slab of yeah. ice and getting like postcards and things made out of it but just like Robert Ford gets shot at a bar and no one bats an eye and yeah just and like that's 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 to me the most interesting aspect of the movie is it it is about sort of the way we mythologize certain celebrities and sort of tearing down that myth and interrogating it and realizing that there may maybe not the people that we idealize but then also taking it to this extreme of like someone who's so whose drive is so much i want to be that kind of famous figure but then in taking this violent action to become that kind of figure th- the opposite happens and they just yeah. sort of further mythologize this person that they've now worked into their mind of just like god like he doesn't deserve this myth i deserve to take it from him but then well, by it, taking it, it from him, it comes down it, to like not even like what it is you do but how it is you do it and it's like you shot like spoiler alert Robert Ford assassinates Jesse James and he shoots him. Oh, no him. kidding. I know. Right. Like, sorry guys. Um, shoots him in the back of the head while he's looking away from him. Not even in like a fight or anything, just like in the middle of just like, Oh, James is a conversation, you know, like definitely mm-hmm. not like a heroic, like guns a blazing, putting up a fight type of death. It literally is just like, and I pulled out my gun and I shot him for mm-hmm. money that I never got from James Carville because apparently James Carville's a fucking actor now. Um but like yeah, it definitely comes down I think it it shows that kind of like I guess I, I guess almost like celebrity fan relationship that can become so toxic so quickly almost kind of one thing i was thinking of and it's so 
like left field but like another story that it reminded me a lot of was something almost like like selena like Mm. that like with yeah the president of her fan club who like ended up embezzling money from her and then ended up shooting her it's that kind of like you you see these people as these grand figures and then not only do their flaws come into play your own flaws come into play and at the end of the day you are you are they are just as much of a human as you are and you are just as culpable uh to do either bad or good things as they are and it's it's one of those moments where it's just kind of like it's like sad and tragic even though like jesse james is by no means like likable but no he's also he's also i feel like again a myth deserves a myth death and robert ford did not provide that and in that case i think it kind of pulled robert ford back to this again coward position because when i was watching the film i was like oh he's not a coward like what do you mean oh Mm -hmm. and then it happened and then like we got closer and i was like oh 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 wait oh this movie might be telling the truth oh he might actually be a coward oh he's doing a broadway show of it okay cool yeah no most definitely like you know i feel like it's 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 a very interesting it's a very interesting view on fame in a time where fame was not necessarily i guess as valued in society and i think mm-hmm. we had a much more rudimentary understanding of how the functions of fame and or infamy worked and it's it's a really interesting look at that yeah and i think the casting you know you talking about like jesse james is not this like it it, like i said brad pitt as charismatic but like the jesse james character is kind of like like i mentioned earlier he's a little bit stupid he's got this like weird voice he's a very like creepy almost like psychopathic just sort of like paranoid person yeah and to even have someone like brad pitt to play that role. I, I think that's such a brilliant piece of casting. And maybe, maybe this is me trying to push the conversation into us talking about Brad Pitt in this movie. Cause I, I think this is secretly one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances. And I don't think we give Brad Pitt enough credit for taking roles that are un Brad Pitt. Like, I think there are no. definitely roles that are like, Oh yeah, that's Brad Pitt. But I feel like there are so many others that you're like, that he has, and I'm not just talking like one or two movies. I mean, like I'd say a good half of his, half of his filmography goes against kind of the Brad Pitt type, and even ones that kind mm-hmm. of look like they might be the Brad Pitt type. Once you watch it, it's like, oh wait, no. You know, you watch something yeah. like Ad Astra, where on paper you're like, oh yeah, Brad Pitt is like a hero astronaut going to save his father of course but then you watch it and you're like oh no this is far different from that this is far more grounded far more vulnerable or something like once upon a time in hollywood where it's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah he's brad pitt he's good looking he's smoldering he's like quippy and yeah he is that but 
there's also so much more depth and humanity to the Cliff Booth character that is injected solely from Brad Pitt's performance. Um, and you know. and so many like meta. St- I mean, even just like the Cliff Booth thing. Like the I one of the like think fun parts of that movie. Sort of like tale over the last years has been the kind of like meta reads people have put into it and there is a lot of like very like recent brad pitt tabloid like meta stuff in cliff booth um you know and 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 with this jesse james movie i mean i don't know i just think that casting is so brilliant because you you see the movie opens with just this beautiful kind of like storybook narration that you know describing jesse james and you you get in your mind this idea of well, it's it's Brad Pitt, and it, so it's going to be this like swaggering movie star performance, and the movie is just as much sort of subverting our expectations of Brad Pitt as a movie star as it is subverting the character of Jesse James by you know introducing him as this just like glowing god in the the Malik sunset with of the the of fields in the American West. And, you know, you get to about, like, an hour in of it, and you're like, this this guy is just sort of, like, a loose cannon and is weird and is, like, playing with snakes and is now, like, paranoid about... Them. Yeah, and is, like, paranoid about his own crew of people who, side note, just, like, the bench on this movie of people who just, like, show up for, like, one or two scenes is in- incredible. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know. That that to me is what I think makes this one of my... This would be in like a top five pit performances to me because I, I think there is something so hypnotic about him in this movie while it's yeah. also, I think, so to- just like totally in a different... on a different planet from just anything he's ever done before or yeah. since. I don't know. What what do, you, what do you think about Pitt as... You kind of went on Pitt as a movie star, but like yeah. what are your some what do you think about pit in this movie and like what are some of your favorite pit performances i think i've just i think i'm gonna start that over i think that i have underestimated pit for a lot of his career simply because mm-hmm. of the i guess like heartthrob nature of just him in general and i kind of came up with like with like Mr. and Mrs. Smith Brad Pitt and Troy mm-hmm. Brad Pitt and like even though you know the Oceans movies are great you know it's definitely like Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt and so it wasn't until a little bit later when you know things like uh you know Inglorious Bastards or um like even like 12 Years a Slave his like brief performance in that uh, up until you know something like fury or ad astra which you know i fucking love ad astra tree of life and you know all of these kind of newer a little bit stranger brad pitt roles like burn after reading or even this even though you know i didn't see it until a few nights ago uh that being 2007 it made me look back on his career to where you have things like you know, his little thing in, in True Romance or Interview with the Vampire, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, you know, these seven years in Tibet, um, 
and you know even though fight club i think has been taken over by its fandom there is still Mm -hmm. so much to be said about brad pitt's performance in that that is very i just feel like when you when you bring it down to its essence it is truly like like chaos walking and it's this Mm -hmm. kind of uh it's this strange performance that i think has been co-opted by so many people who completely misunderstand it but it's it's really fun um another another one that i really love too is him and snatch oh you know i've never seen that actually he's fucking wild in it his accent in it in it is like is he playing a gypsy or something yes he's like an irish gypsy yes you can't understand hardly a word he says and it's what it's so great um and then like um and then something like meet joe black where he uh speaks to Stop. a jamaican woman in jamaican patois i'm gonna bring this up every episode <laughs> i saw that clip the other life. day it's that clip like came across my was twitter it, feed the other was day it, and was I it talking it. about it adele so yes or like it chet Hanks. it's the worst it's so bad but like it's that's definitely i think a low point in his career i haven't even seen that movie but i've just seen that scene and it's so funny yeah that's from that weird period where we were like trying to make him robert redford and we just eventually had to realize that brad pitt's so much weirder than that um yeah i I was actually kind of thinking like maybe it's unfair to like compare like you know our movie stars to older movie stars and try to make you know say like this person is the next version of this well that's when that's when you literally find like like oh shit this doesn't work that's not how yeah. this works um one yeah. thing i would but definitely I, even, like even oh. this movie like i was i was thinking like i don't know there there's a lot i think about him less as like a robert like a stoic robert redford type now than almost i don't know there as he's entering the late stages of his career like it feels very close to paul newman like when Paul Newman was kind of getting into Brad's Pitt's age of sort of like wouldn't do Sir, a movie he is like fifty six. What are we talking about? Late stage of his career, it's like he's gonna die next year. Brad Pitt. Well, please he might. Don't die. I, I mean, there's L- nothing. There's please. nothing saying he won't. But like, he's not dying of old age. Literally, one of my favorite people on the planet. I hope he yeah. goes nowhere. But, yeah. but like, yeah, I I think he like Paul Newman when Paul Newman was in middle age. Let's yeah. say, and and I think not in a movie all the time but like when he's there there's so much kind of like magnetism and intensity and you just sort of assume he's got like great taste and can be in sort of like a small supporting part and steal the show the counselor is also yeah um but and maybe there's a little bit of a kind of like i don't know there's a little bit more mischievousness to him yeah wouldn't you agree oh yeah. absolutely and one thing one thing about brad pitt too i would love to talk about is brad pitt not only as an actor but brad pitt as a producer because just love to see it plan b is on some next level shit it's genuinely i think like up there with i mean what people like give clout to a24 and to annapurna i think like and you know obviously plan b's worked with them a lot but like i mean literally I'm just going to, like, read the a lot of the big ones off that a lot of people have no idea that Brad, Poop, Brad, Brad, Poop, Brad Pitt was a producer on. The Departed, 
Uh, he was a producer on this, Assassination of Jesse James for the Coward Robert Ford, The Time Traveler's Wife, Kick-Ass, Eat, Pray, Love, Tree of Life, Moneyball, uh, Killing Them Softly, World War Z, Kick-Ass 2, 12 Years a Slave, uh, Fury, Selma, By the Sea, The Big Short, Moonlight, Lost City of Zed, Okja, War Machine, Brad Status, Beautiful Boy, A Field Street Could Talk, Vice, Last Black Man in San Francisco, Ad Astra, The King, Kajillionaire, Minari. He's going to be a producer on Blonde. He is someone who, like, really uses his platform as Brad Pitt to support other filmmakers to make films that could bring out the next Brad Pitt. You know, something like... uh you know, the last black man in San Francisco with like Jonathan Majors or Field Street Could Talk with like Kiki Lane or, you know, they're, they are, or moon, fucking Moonlight and one best picture mm-hmm. and be- 12 Years a Slave won best picture. Like, you know, 12 Years a Slave gave us Lupita Nyongo and, you know, put Steve McQueen more on the map, you know, and Moonlight put Barry Jenkins on the map and, he's doing all of these things that are i think furthering so many other people's careers as well especially uh people of color especially like he Mm -hmm. put selma on the map he put like he's not just a self-serving producer he's not someone who just produces films that he's in he does but he does so much more than that and i think that is like that is the sign of a true star that is the sign of someone who like knows their worth and their their privilege within the industry and knows how to use it properly and that is yeah and even he seems aware of that in like inner like i think one of the coolest interviews i heard him do like when he was doing his press rounds for both like once upon time in hollywood and at astra last year was talking about plan b and sort of the mission of that company and talking about of like that company doesn't really like make money like no, I, I'm and, pretty. And, su- I'm pretty sure there was one interview where he was like, "We have not turned a profit," but he is like so in love with the idea of like, "I'm going to use," like you said, "I'm going to use my clout as one of the biggest movie stars," and I want to like make movies that I feel are like important and give money and give sort of resources to people who I think are great artists. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I just sort of find that whole side of his career, like you said, like very very moving. Of just sort of like how generous he is and just sort of how like honest he is about yeah. just like no, i'm not doing this to make money like i am not yeah. making money in and this. he I'm doesn't doing this because and he I doesn't even this. do it for like the 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 clout either because he like it's not like it's like brad pitt productions if you don't no. know specifically that plan b is brad pitt's production company then it's like you don't know that brad pitt produced it unless you are someone who pays attention to the credits at the end you're not mm-hmm. and he's not someone who is like on twitter being like hey guys this movie i released or like made this weekend is like in theaters and like i'm just so generous like letting like a, like a black person who's never made a big movie direct a movie aren't i so generous no he literally amplifies he amplifies the voices of the people who need to speak rather than trying to speak for them and i love that and I think that's that's interesting you mentioning, like, you know, he's not someone that's on Twitter, and he seems like, at this stage in his career, like, if he's not promoting a movie or, you know, you know, running for awards or something, like, he's he seems pretty private, and, yeah. or at least you know, now I want, I want, 
Yeah, and I think like that's something that I I don't know. I think we're just sort of gonna reach a point, you know, at this sort of next several decades of his life. You know, knock on wood, please. Like coronavirus, don't don't take Brad Pitt. Uh, you know, I I think he is gonna like move. There is something about him that feels very like an old fashioned movie star in the way that there there's a certain sort of like unknowability about him. And a way that it's just like, I don't know, whenever the horrible day comes that Brad Pitt dies, it's sort of like, I don't, I don't know that we're going to have this sort of like, that's going to be one of the days that like Hollywood stands still. I mean, yeah, but I I mean, yeah, I mean, it would obviously be bad, but I mean, it more is sort of like, I think he's going to be one of those stars that sort of like, whenever we reach the point where it's like, all right, we, we need to celebrate the life of Brad Pitt. Like, I think it's it'll solely be the work like yeah. maybe people who like were alive in like the mid 2000s late, not, the, late 90s through mid 2000s when he the was angelina, like much the angelina a, and jennifer aniston age you know the, the right the people magazine think, age yeah but i think he's more kind of comfortable in this stage where it's just sort of like it's not about the celebrity life it's just about the work like and yeah sort of i like, was a heartthrob yeah i was in tabloids but like look at like a i'm gorgeous which he would Mm -hmm. never say but he is and b like look at all this work i've done look at all this shit i've made like how could i not be yeah and i guess that's where i was kind of getting at with like the paul newman comparison of like that breed of celebrity where it's like you can you can make a salad dressing if you wanted to and like go (laughs) go for it paul newman you make a damn but good I mean, salad like, dressing. Yeah, but I mean, like, there, I'm sure there was, is at the time, or, like, was at the time, like, you know, gossip columns about Paul Newman and stuff like I'm that. Sure. But of, like, the legacy is pretty much, like, solely the work. It's and I solely think Paul that's Newman, kind yeah. Of the, yeah, and I think that's what I was kind of getting out of. Like, I think if the last 10 years has said anything, I think that's how brad pitt i think brad pitt has like incredible control over his image now and i think that's what the that's what i think is that kind of movie star image where it's basically like i i there isn't like a brad pitt as celebrity and then brad pitt as like the actor in the movies it's like it's just just the work yeah yeah i do hope that he like he creates like a line of produce of like of like cherries and avocados and olives just brad's pits i think that could be a really good um investment for him but until then the work definitely stands <sighs> listen wow. paul newman did it i'm just saying he did, he did. <laughs> so you know it took me until i was like 15 to know that was paul newman i was just like who's that old man and they're like it's just Paul Newman. See, Newman's for me, it was own. the other way around. Like, I, I remember just, like, the first, whatever the first movie I saw him in, and I was like, the salad dressing guy? They're like, that's they were Paul like, Newman, yeah, he was dumbass. He was an and it's like, oh my god, that's Paul Newman. How uh-huh. did I not put that together? Uh. Or being like, lo- you know, looking through the catalog of, like, Disney, upcoming Disney stuff, and it was like, who's in cars? And Oh my god, that's Paul, literally how I got Paul introduced Newman, to Paul Newman. And I was like, the salad dressing guy? <laughs> <laughs> that's literally how I got introduced to Paul Newman, was cars. Oh yeah. god. But yeah, alright, so we've had the great conversation about Brad Pitt. Let's have the Let- not-so-great conversation, or at least in my eyes, 
about um, Casey Affleck. I think we. Uh, I'll I'll just say like if if you want to give your spiel about it, like I'm I'm almost not. It's not because I want to like scoff it off. I'm just like totally uninterested in interrogating the the Casey Affleck issue just because it, it's I have a it's fun such story a cut. about Casey Affleck. Oh, okay. I'll I'll just say I think that the whole like you know the controversy that he got himself into a few years ago. I think Casey Affleck such a is cut, a sexual predator. Let's just get it out of the way. Like let's not put his foot around it. Um, but other than that, now that we've got that out of the way, um. I mean, literally, we talked about we talked about James Woods on this podcast like three weeks or like two weeks ago. So, like, if we can talk that's about true, James but Woods, we ha- we, we have to have a Casey Affleck, Affleck conversation. Yeah, where we have we, to like we, we have to like we set just the scene. Pretend first. James Woods didn't exist. Yeah, yeah for real. Oh, James Woods was good in, in Nixon. That's the thing. James Woods was a good actor. That's what I hate about him. Like, ugh, yeah. I just wish he were like stupid and completely like like untalented. Now he lives um, in a fantasy world removed from reality he literally lives in videodrome um but uh but with that casey affleck uh most people know him for manchester by the sea um that's the the film that he won the oscar for he's been uh nominated for two oscars this and manchester by the sea is that, um, is that what you think people most know him for? I'm not. I'm not asking that as like a no. It's like I have an answer that's something else. I'm just like curious. Like you think that's the thing? I think so. People... I don't really know what else it would be. I mean, like I. Feel I mean, like... he's in the oceans movies, but he's not. But he's like, such a small part a big... of it. Yeah. I think maybe people like because that's the thing. When I think about it, it's like okay. Well, there's also like a ghost story, but I feel like the only people who like a ghost story probably saw Manchester by the Sea before they saw you know that's a true ghost story like the people who liked him then are gonna do that he hasn't had a very extensive career but i mean 2007 is an interesting sort of like because it's that hollywood trying gone. yeah i was about to say like ben affleck direct and oceans gone 13. baby gone oh that's true i forgot the yeah, yeah. i've just mentioned that a few yeah. but yeah i think in particular like jesse james and gone baby gone in the same year that's that's sort of like a big push for him as a leading man and he's such a small role in interstellar that i feel like no one really like associates him with that it's not that, like listener listeners check out the very long like two-hour conversation i had with uh, our friend josh martin about the career of christopher nolan and uh i i i forget if i specifically called out casey affleck no, nothing to do with that performance i was just like i like that part of the that movie drives me insane yeah um, it's 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 not great but also like it's kind of ironic now that like the person who plays his character for like five seconds in the beginning is now more popular than casey affleck is i guess so yeah i would say i mean well the dune trailer comes out tomorrow so i'd say soon probably Um, the dune trailer will already have solved world hunger and cancer and the coronavirus by the time that people are listening to this podcast for all that's being hyped up but i do have a fun casey affleck story um so in um in college i did i wrote for the diner times as you did and i was during the time i was arts and entertainment editor um, I was presented with the opportunity to interview um, over the phone Chris Pine and Casey Affleck for the finest hours. Oh, yeah. Did you take that? I did. Um, and it was a very fun experience because um, they were very late. And they were, and I'm not kidding, 
so shit face drunk on the call. <laughs> Both of them. That they could not answer a single fucking question. I literally like emailed the Disney rep and I'm like, I can put this together, but I just want to let you know that they were so drunk that like not, there's not a single like like tangible like tangible sentence in this. Wait, so they had like beer and stuff? Like it was like No, they were coming they were, like, from they were like words? coming from like an event. Like from like a oh. premiere or something. And they were just and I mean, this was like, it was like eight o'clock at night. Like I was in the Niner Times office. No one else was there. And I remember someone I follow on Twitter who, cause it was a conference call, uh, who I met at like a press junket who I still talk to like every now and then, like, we'll just be like, do you remember that time that we talked to Chris Pine and Casey Affleck and like, they were just so drunk. They couldn't do anything. Like they like couldn't speak straight. And this was for a Disney movie. Like I never saw that. It's actually it's not bad. It's it's pretty okay. solid. It's not great. It's about like, like the Coast Guard, right? Yeah, it's literally like one of the. It's a dad. It's such a dad movie. Oh, okay. So such I should double feature it with uh with the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. It honestly, genuinely, that's like it's so similar to that sort of feel. It's really ironic though because Craig Gillespie directed it, the same guy who did I Tanya, and they could not be like more different films. um i will say one you know what i will give casey affleck credit where credit is due i think he's great in this i like him in the oceans movies i like him in uh anthem body saints is a is a good movie it's david oh yeah first movie he's i do i don't like that movie but i do like him and i like that movie actually um I think he gives a good performance in Manchester by the Sea. I do. I think he deserved to win the Oscar. No, and I'm not just saying that because of you know his personal life and stuff. I genuinely think that um, you might disagree with me on this. I think everyone thinks that Ryan Gosling should have won Best Actor that year. I personally think it nope. should have been Denzel Washington. Uh, I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah, um, I think Denzel Washington. I don't. I don't. That's another like. I don't really like that movie, but I he's great in that movie. Yeah, so. like I think it should have been I, him and Viola. I think should have have taken both awards. Um, I think I'm not a big fan of a ghost story. I know he does a lot with David Lowry. Um, I really like a ghost story. I, okay. I think that's that that I think. I mean, I I maybe would disagree. Of like, I I. I thought he deserved the, you know, for whatever it's worth, you know, controversy aside of just like what of those performances, which one that I like, like, I remember Manchester by the Sea was just one of those movies that like I I walked out of the theater. I think I was with like an aunt of mine and my sister. And I think that it was like way too intense for them emotionally. But it's I not one out, of my favorite like, movies, to be completely honest. I, I was just like wiping the tears from my eyes of just like I went on an emotional journey with their yeah. <laughs> with that. So I, I was like fine with him winning the the best actor for that. Although yeah. I think your your Denzel comment is not that's not crazy. I, I know a lot of people who thought Denzel was that like that was a walk yeah. in the park for Denzel was um, going to win. But I yeah I I really like a ghost story and I think yeah. that performance is also really good in a very yeah. like unusual I, way because he, he it's just him with a bedsheet over it but yet yeah. that he's so expressive just like standing there and just sort of like tilting his head I don't know it's a very very strange performance but I think it it 
the fact that it's so blank but it has so and you can read so much into it is is i think a testament to him one movie i genuinely really do like him in and i do it's another david lowry movie not that many people remember it but i look back really fondly on it i think it's really good and i think it's a movie i could probably talk about on here actually um is the old man and the gun oh yeah that movie's great i love that movie and like he's obviously not like the focus it's like it it is it is robert redford and i think it's robert redford and sissy's basic story but i think he is really good in it and i think it's I think he it's is david lowry's best movie um I, though I do i do like pete's dragon if i'm being fully honest um but like i don't but we can disagree there oh, fuck off um but yeah <laughs> and then he was also in triple nine which is a movie that i don't remember much of despite the fact i know that i've seen it twice but it is one of those movies where it's like wow that's a cast there's nothing memorable about it but that's a cast triple nine oh okay you the like john hill coat like oh yeah the john hill coat like heist movie huge cast not a single thing memorable about that movie um but yeah that's he hasn't had a huge i feel like looking at his imdb page i was kind of surprised i was like wow he really hasn't been in as much as i thought Um, it's a lot of supporting work and a lot of like very small indie films when in comparison to his brother which is another like weird meta aspect of this movie is you know casey affleck being someone who is like playing second to a a huge personality and right like yeah but i mean i i think he's great in this i think this is maybe his second best performance behind manchester by the sea like he's there there's something both like really captivating about him yet like because he has such a boyish face like you can believe him playing like a 19 year old at one point in this movie and there yeah he was 32 at the time or i guess i guess if they were filming it well he was 30 because they filmed it in late 2005 but like still i mean i'm 24 and i feel like i i feel like i both look like i'm 18 but also i feel like i look like i'm 40 like at the same time i think it's like the dead eyes but also the the round baby face i don't know but casey affleck definitely like when he was like i'm 19 i'm like yeah yeah you are (laughs) yeah yeah Um, i i I just i really like him in this movie and i think the the word that comes to mind and you're going to laugh because this word has a lot of other connotations in it but there's there's a thirstiness about this this role he he is so just sort of like a like trying to like suck he wants in so badly and you can just see that kind of like he is is better working about he is like (laughs) he just wants to be a part of it man yeah Um, he's just so it, it so much is that like fan standing like behind the green room at the concert just like waiting for the the like musician to come out so they could get one look at them and yeah hey jesse you did you did real good out there you 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 did real great it was almost better than last night might have been the best performance i've ever seen in my entire like really just that kind of like Uh uh-huh just like just wants that attention so badly and then he gets it and it's like and, um, then it, and then it becomes like a very very sad performance and very very melancholy in a yeah. way that I, th- I think is in compliment with like yeah. uh, a ghost story in manchester by the sea yeah. by the end of this um, movie interesting and a very very interesting supporting cast of this movie i feel like a lot of this movie a felt bench. like i was watching um 
I feel like I was watching like a lot of babies act because it's a lot of like really young actors. That who are is now, true. Uh huh. Like it's like oh look Jeremy Renner, but it's like baby Jeremy Renner and Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. you know I mean obviously like they were all in their late thirties, but like you know even like I think like Garrett Dillahunt and Paul Schneider. I don't think I've seen that many things with Paul Schneider in it that I've really loved him in. Like, I remember seeing mm-hmm. them like, Parks and Rec, and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. He's very good in this, because he's so seedy and slimy. Um, Ted Levine just keeps, he just keeps showing up in our shit. Yeah. Can I he... mean, Michael Parks showing up for, like, one scene. James um, Carville? Bill Clinton's... Who's great in it, like, J- like it's, Bill it's weird that he's in like, here, but campaign yeah. strategist, but just show. I was literally like, "Is that James fucking Carville, that conehead looking motherfucker? Is he really in this?" And then I was like, "Wait, can James Carville act?" Okay, yeah. um, yeah, and then like Zoe Deschanel showing up for like two seconds at the very very end. It's all. I mean again especially yeah. for like, i mean si- singer songwriter nick cave who i don't know if yeah. you're familiar with him but I mean, I'm he, very he comes in at the nick end cave. and does like the the song at the bar that's basically i think like affleck's like first indication that just like oh i did not i i i am yeah. not going to benefit from this this narrative in the way that i and obviously maybe. nick cave did the the score to the film too with warren ellis and great I mean, score oh yeah i mean and i think any score that nick cave kind of gets on is gonna be is gonna be great i think his score to um like wind river is also like mm-hmm. really effective or hell or high water he does a lot of good stuff with uh taylor sheridan but um yeah, he is. It's some. It's some good shit. He's a great, great uh, Western composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also just associate Nick Cave with um, Peaky Blinders because of uh, Red Right Hand always playing in the opening credits. Mm. So very but, true. But yeah, all right. Do you want to have well, the Deacons conversation? Yeah, I feel I feel like I was trying to think of where to go next, but I feel like the Deacons conversation is is unavoidable. The um, Deacons conversation th- is, is unavoidable. This is just peak peak Deacons for me. I Deke mean, Peacons. just I I I yeah. I'm going to run Deacons. this joke into the ground. <sighs> yeah, I I don't know. This movie just looks I mean, that train sequence in particular is just so gorgeous and stunning and there are just sort of sequences in this movie where like I like they're clearly using I think natural light and some stuff but th- there's just stuff in here where I was just like I don't I don't know how he got this look and yeah. like I w- th- w- this is going to be like a very very like weirdly specific thing but like I'm obsessed with the blacks in this movie. Yes, like, I was about the, to say. Okay, the so that texture scene, of the black that yeah. scene where he where Jesse James is um he is um like sitting down with Miller Garrett Dillahunt and it's like the really pale white of the white versus the super deep black of the backgrounds or whenever, like, mm-hmm. especially near the end when, like, um, when Robert Ford is, like, in the ho- house at night, like, in bed, the contrast of the colors in this, the almost monochromatic look to everything, oh, it's so good. And it's just, like, again, again, it's it's in color, but, like, it might as well be black and white of just how, like, 
how stark everything feels when he does that. I completely agree with you. And and even like the amber glow of the rooms, like when they go in, there's like that one sequence that's like at a, a like a ball or something, and like yeah. the how black the men's tuxedos are, but then also just sort of like the amber glow because it's those like very old fashioned um like lamps and light bulbs and stuff and just just that that glow that that everything has because i feel like a lot of movies that take place in this period it's like oh wow look at this beautifully lit room Mm -hmm. where 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 did you get all of these lights where like behind the camera from like how did you get this perfectly lit like room in 1860 and this one it's like oh no, this feels like a room with lanterns. and But not mm-hmm. to the point where you can't see things. It's not like, he strikes that weird balance of like, this lighting feels realistic, I also can see what's going on, and also, it's beautiful all at the same time. Yeah, and even I think so much of the look feeds into, I think of this as like a really great winter movie for so many, that's the other thing yeah. I was just thinking of. It's is got like, a chilliness so- to it. Or I would even say like a late fall, like a like a like a Thanksgiving yeah. movie. Yeah, that's that. There's just so many like I. There's so many scenes in it that there's one I'm thinking of that's like I think the day Brad that Jesse James gets killed and he's like walking up the road like with his son, and just like the way the sky is and like the kind of the breeze that's in the air that you can kind of see on the trees and just the way the ground looks. I was just like immediately I was just like. I know what that feels like. Like I, that kind of like damp, frigid coldness of just like I, I can just feel the environments and so many of the scenes in this movie. And I don't know. I, I think that's just like I, I don't. I think this has a lot of moments of Deacon's really, really just sort of like indulging and swinging. I, as you mentioned earlier, I think he has even said this is probably I think like the favorite movie of his that he's worked on. I know he's called multiple times like uh, earlier this year when he was doing like some campaigning stuff for 1917, he was saying that like he wishes that there would be a a criterion re-release of this movie just to get more attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I think Andrew Dominic has sort of uh, brushed off those every now and then you'll see on like a random like film Reddit page or something. Someone will stir up a rumor that's like, the, assass- the assassination of Jesse James could be up for like, or, you know, whenever they put, um, this is a better example. Like whenever they do the, you know how criterion does those like cartoon maps, maybe yeah. map is the wrong word, but those cartoon drawings where pe- they're mm-hmm. sort of like, there's all these clues in there and you can figure out what the, the movie is this year. Mm-hmm. And they always do at least like one Western movie a year. And every single year, there's always someone that's just like, they're, they're doing it it's this is the year assassination i would Jesse love James. to see get... what a criterion cover for that would look like yeah i mean unfortunately andrew dominic said that um so there was like i think like there's an interview he gave a few years ago maybe where he said um there was a, a college student like at nyu i think it was um college student somewhere that tried that, to get kind of like a big revival screening of assassination of jesse james and was i guess like contacting criterion and trying to get criterion on board for like hey you should look at this for like a release and andrew dominic was basically just like shrugged it off of just like we've they're aware that you know the 
or Criterion has been approached about it and they're just like not interested. So he's basically like shrugged off any idea in his mind that like they would ever approach this. He's basically said like they, they've people have brought it up to them and they're just like not interested. They don't think it's got that much of a footprint or is like that important Yet. to the cultural discourse for them to do a re-release of it. But I, I do think it's notable that even people like Deacons are like, I, I just wish someone would re-release this or remaster the, you know, put this out on like a fancy Blu-ray or something. Or even just, just like a 4K get. one that just like, yeah. gets, just like, just kind of recirculates it back out into something. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. Okay. You, we got to come to the question. Okay. I know you said that this is, this is a Deke Peekins for you. Deke but Peekins, let's, re- yeah. let's remove this from, from the equation. Okay. What is your what is Deke Peekins for you? Hmm. I have two answers. Well, actually, I kind of I kind of have three, but one is so cliche, I'm a little ashamed to say it. So you're so you're saying if this is not Deke Peekins, what is Deke Peekins? Yeah. Well, I okay. So I don't think it's Deke Peekins, but I know that you said a minute ago that you think it kind of is. So like, let's remove yeah. it from the equation. I, I even think at- this is. I even think this is Deke Peekins for his like career because he's got both this and No Country for Old Men nominated at the same year, and th- also, there he also are did a lot True of secrets. He's like no stranger yeah, but I mean, to the like, Western. He was also the cinematography for consultant on Rango. Yeah, but I mean, like specifically, like this and No Country for Old Men both get cinematography Oscars the same year, and he still lost. Isn't it so weird that it took him so long to win and now he's just winning, winning, winning? It did. I, I mean, it's it's funny, like, I when I saw that he was nominated for both those movies this year, or no, I, I saw he was nominated this year and then I was like, oh, but I bet he also won for No Country this year. And then I was like, no, he didn't, he no, didn't win because that couldn't until, have been it. And then <laughs> He did not win and, until Blade Runner 2049. He was nominated, right. it was what, his 14th nomination? Yeah. What? And then I saw Robert Ellswit won for this year, and so I was like, oh, okay. What the well, fuck did he? Oh, wait. There no, will be blood. I so I was like, yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Yeah, stack category that year. That is a stack category, but um, okay. So here are my here are my two and a half. Okay, go. My, my half is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I only say it's I'm half. I'm not gonna argue. It's so it's so cliche, and I feel like it's like such a quick, like easy answer. But like, I love it so much. It's so beautiful. Um, I mean, if he did not win for that, it would have like, I I probably would have. You probably could have convinced me there was like a conspiracy against against him. him Blade yeah. Runner twenty forty nine felt like him just sort of like on top of a soapbox, kind of waving his hands in the air, saying, "Please, hey, like, motherfucker, please, please. come on." <laughs> yeah, yeah cuz like I mean if it weren't if it was not him that year it was uh Rachel Morrison for Mudbound, Hoyt Van Hoytema for Dunkirk, Dan Lautstam for The Shape of Water and Bruno Delbanel for Darkest Hour. Maybe I think if it weren't him it would have been Dan Lautstam, but I mean any of those other ones I feel like Dunkirk just had was just big. It was just one of those movies that was like had scale so everyone was like, "Oh, um, and also, mm. I think it's kind of unfair that Phantom Thread didn't get in there. Um, but, I don't know. But, um, but, okay. My other two. 
they're also both a little cliche, but okay. Skyfall is just great. It's just terrific. It's just unbeatable. I don't. I. I have no idea how he didn't win that year. I think it is one of the most beautiful action films, or just beautiful. Who won that year? Um, that year, if I'm correct, um, and by that I mean I'm going to click and see. Um, that was uh, Claudio Miranda, Life of Pi. <sighs> Appalling. Okay, so this is kind of a stacked year, though. Also, so it's Claudio Miranda for Life of Pi, Yanis Kaminsky for Lincoln. Even though I kind of disagree with that, um, Robert Richard for Robert Richardson for Django, Seamus mm. McGarvey for Anna Karenina, which is so good. Also, that's 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 great. Yeah, and Deacons for Skyfall. So stack. I, I just think that that should have been the year. I would yeah. say stacked year, but I feel like he was top of the stack for that year. And then Same. also um, another movie I keep bringing Taylor Sheridan up. But I'm just gonna keep talking about him, Sicario. Sicario. I mean, that's a handsome is, looking movie as well. Yeah, and that lost that year to Amanda Lubezki for The Revenant, which I guess makes sense. Understandable, I, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, from an award standpoint, it, it definitely does. I think because that year also had Edward Bachman for Carol, which I am not a big fan of Carol. If I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I just don't think it's that great. Um, I, I admire but, it more than I enjoy it. But yeah. then there was also Robert Richardson for The Hateful Eight, shooting in Super 70 mm-hmm. Panavision, and then John Seal for Mad Max. Ooh. That's a year also. I feel like all of his best all of his best works just happen to fall in years where you're just like, oh, fuck, mm. like, I mean, you should win, but also I can't be mad at these other ones either, because they're also so good. Yeah, there's a like, video that went around i think the around the first time it was around when like blade runner was nominated that was basically like a list of all the times that he had been nominated for cinematography yeah. and then it would you you would be like oh how did he not win for this and then it would put up the movie that won and you'd be like oh, yeah well like, you just like i guess just, i can't argue with that yeah <laughs> like, but he a does a lot movie. of movies also that like you're like wait he shot that like like in time like the andrew nickel movie he shot the the goldfinch the goldfinch he shot um the village he shot um house of sand i think the village looks pretty great i don't don't know if i like that movie but it's a beautiful movie but it's not a movie that i immediately think oh yeah deacon shot that i have to be reminded Mm -hmm. that deacon shot that um house of sand and fog which i think is a very underrated movie as well um Mm -hmm. you know just like you know i think he shot shawshank redemption I feel like a lot of people talk about Shawshank mm-hmm. Redemption in so many different facets that you forget that Deacon shot it. Um, or even like some of, like he works so often with the Cone Brothers and yeah. like they're, they're even stuff like, you know, the Big Lebowski isn't necessarily a movie people think of like, you know, the great looking Deacon's yeah. Cone Brothers collaboration. That's more, that's think more of like Brother those, Where Art Thou. But even like something like Hail Caesar or, um, Hell Caesar uh, has beautiful cinematography. Yeah, like, and with Big Lebowski, like those bu- Buzzley Berkeley like musical sequences in there, like, yeah, those those are great, and like that's that's old Deacons just like showing but off. But it's and just stuff taken and... over by other other aspects of the film yeah. that are are just because I mean I think that shows like the quality of films that he generally works on is that sometimes he's not even the best part of it. 
yeah, sure, mm-hmm. sometimes he does an intolerable cruelty, sometimes he does an in time or a goldfinch, but like most of the time you're dealing with movies that also have other nom like are also getting other Oscar nominations. Yeah. It's not just him typically. So um yeah, I think I'm I mean Deacons is it's hard. To, I mean, it, it feels cliche to say Deacons is is like one of the greatest of all time because, you know, it's just kind of that film bro answer. But it's also one. How do you argue with that? He genuinely is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everyone has their favorites, but it's kind of like let's look at objective like quality here. Like, come the fuck on, man. Well, um, and even just thinking about how many, just like th- there's so many kind of like mediocre or bad movies that he made like you know something like yeah something like um oh gosh what revolutionary road which is like a movie that i hate but like it looks great because roger deacon shot it you know like the company men like movie i true true literally like remember nothing about other than that like oh yeah it was pretty you know Mm -hmm. um so i think he's fostered a lot of really good and really smart um like relationships with filmmakers you know getting in with the coen brothers getting in with sam mendez getting in with denis Villeneuve, and then um just kind of saying fuck it after all of that and just leaving i mean because he's not mm-hmm. he's not set up to do anything right now so like you know he's not shooting he's not shooting enjoy dune. your vacation sir yeah that's, he's that's not shooting dune say, he's not shooting the next bond movie he's not shooting like any Cohen things coming up, like he's he's not shooting any Sam Mendes thing coming up. He's just like, I've won two Oscars. Y'all can suck a dick. I'm done. And honestly, I salute you, sir. Wouldn't that be incredible if that's what his speech actually? God, was? I wish it had been. Been like, okay, y'all finally want to give me more than one after all these years. Fuck y'all. Suck my ass. Um... I quit. Well, please don't quit. Please come back eventually, but like, please do enjoy your break. Well, we've so. passed an hour and a half. Maybe we can start winding down. Yeah. Um, any any last thoughts on the the movie? I feel like we we went off on some tangents, but there's just there's just a lot of like I think really really it's, it is an amalgam awesome this, people who work on this movie. Yeah, and, you know. So this worth... movie I don't think came together as much to me as it did with you in terms of like as a whole but i do think that it is an amalgamation of really amazing elements that come t- mm-hmm. together to something really cool and i mean like we didn't even touch on the fact that ridley scott produced this and tony scott yeah. like i mean that's they're just touches all over the place of just like deacons Pitt, you know even casey affleck andrew dominic uh Ridley Scott, you know, it's it is a movie that has that is inundated with people who love and appreciate the craft of film. And mm-hmm. you know, even though maybe I think narratively the film is a little slow, kind of falters a little bit. Um, I do think it has quite a bit to say. I completely understand why it hasn't been quite remembered as such uh, in the kind of grand sphere of things, especially kind of hitting pre-social media but also not really getting all of the awards attention that it might have deserved due to its kind of positioning and in time and it's it's a very interesting and almost unfortunate film where it's just like you had everything everything about your creation 
for the most part was was pretty right. It was just mm-hmm. you just all the cards fell at the wrong time. And um you know, sometimes that's just how it is. I mean, and I don't think that necessarily means that everything has to be, you know, has to be the case forever. I know people I know Danger Dominic said that Criterion doesn't have interest right now, but who knows, give it three years, they might actually give it a release. You know. Yeah. Think interest wanes and changes as often as every other trend does. And who knows? Next week this movie could be huge. And I feel like everyone kinda I mean, it was the same way I feel like what happened with like Speed Racer. It was like nobody talked about Speed Racer until everyone was talking about Speed Racer. Go listen mm-hmm. to our Speed Racer episode. Um Yes, please listen. Um I think like that is kind of the beauty of, of, you know, I can criticize film Twitter all I want, but I feel like the a cool thing about it is that a lot of times people do dig up movies like this. I mean, you dug up a movie like this for this podcast, and we're mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about it, and I think that's just how the flow goes. And sometimes, sometimes the cars don't fall right in its initial in its initial run, but. Who knows what's coming down the line later for it. This movie might be regarded as one of the best uh, westerns of, you know, the first half of the century by 2050. Who the fuck knows? Um, yeah. And we, yeah still have, I... and we still have 30 more years of westerns to get through for that. So, um, yeah, it's just a it's it's a it is a very interesting film with a lot of elements that I think are truly amazing i don't think they all mesh together 100 percent perfectly but uh they do enough to make for a pretty damn good viewing experience yeah i i i will just end by saying i uh, adore this movie i'm glad that i still adore it so much when i'm not in a like 1 30 in the morning haze of like when i first saw it um that it still like hung together so well but you know i i, I agree with you it is it is it is slow moving but i would maybe pitch it this way of like I think if you're someone who's just like, you know what? I, I really wish they would just, you know, those great kind of long, ambitious movies that they made in like the 1970s and like talking about a movie that feels of a different time. Th- this feels like a Western movie that would have come out in like the mid seven, mid to late 70s. Um, and I, I think as just sort of like the style exercise that you can just sort of like luxuriate in and, you know, eh, just let it wash over you and just sort of enjoy the the look and the performances. And I think it's so meditative and gives you so much to think about. And I don't know. I think it works both as a vibe movie that you can just kind of have on in the background and just sort of like enjoy its aesthetics while also, you know, there are, there is a lot of really interesting stuff to dive into in terms of like celebrity and how that, celebrity narrative is kind of <laughs> told in this very meta way through the people who are involved and it's almost even more interesting now with like stan culture the younger well yeah well like the some of the younger stars that are in the people like jeremy renner who like weren't really anything when this came out but are like they were members of the, and now yeah, they're like members they're of the james gang yeah yeah or like you um, know like sam rockwell who was just kind of always like he was just there for so long until he was Sam Rockwell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was it's it's definitely really interesting to see how people have really um kind of come up from something like this and i think it shows shows the taste from the start yeah and i think as someone who you know is is always been kind of like fascinated and captivated by kind of that like terrence malick style but you know i there there's something very specific that like i can't always put my finger on of when i think someone nails it versus when i think someone's doing kind of a cheap imitation of it and this this kind of nails it i think yeah for me and there it it has that sort of you know i used the term magical earlier there is something kind of magical and eternal about it like a like and, ethereal like very just yeah. like like dream like like i said dreamlike and just kind of like it, it it feels like a heightened it's a grounded movie that i feel like exists in a heightened reality mm-hmm. so well that's about as as good a place as any to pick it up to with a really long name and the movie i mean that's the thing the movie is two hours and 40 minutes long because it spends a good two hours just with the title card because you just have to read for so long so the entire the entire title is just the novel all right well that wraps us up for this week uh go go it's it's on hbo max so yes it is somehow made it through it it's it's easily accessible and available to watch so definitely like check spend an evening or an afternoon it is not a film i must say we discuss spoilers but i don't think it is a film in which anyone is uh concerned with spoilers no definitely not so 